You're listening to Environmentally Speaking, a weekly podcast diving into legal matters surrounding the environment, public utilities, energy, zoning, and permitting laws in Rhode Island and the surrounding areas. With your host, Marissa Desitel. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Environmentally Speaking. Hi, everybody. I'm Marissa Desitel, an environmental attorney in Rhode Island. Ooh, and Massachusetts. Can't forget about Massachusetts. I like how you said that like it was a surprise, like it's a new Like, thing. ooh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's always been that way. I just don't say it. I don't know why. And I'm Clarice, who lived in both states. I don't know. I have no good segue this week. <laughs> well, we have a good topic. Um, yes. One that I stumbled across and... Um, you know, I, I feel inclined to share a personal anecdote. Ooh, start at the beginning. You already know this, so it's not going to oh. be a surprise to you. But I don't, I don't sleep. I am up from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. every single night, regardless of sleeping pills and other supplements and stuff. I just I don't sleep. So what I find myself doing is going on my phone. I know you're not supposed to do that, but it actually kind of puts me back to sleep. And I use some of that time to look up environmental issues. And my phone is now programmed to give me environmental issues. So I recently have been inundating Clarice with different topics and issues that I'm finding at all hours of the night. Um, and I think I'm actually sending them to you at all hours of the night as well. I like it if it okay. helps. I mean, one, I don't selfishly, I don't have to look for it. Yep. And two, I wake up with a bunch of new topics to read. So it's a, it's when a win -win. you're, yeah, when you're catching up on your sleep, I'm. <laughs> when is that? When am I doing that? Oh, you're not. <laughs> While I'm driving. <laughs> While I'm driving the car. <clears throat> yeah. I like to so, give these a quick read on the treadmill. So I like this. Nice. Okay, good. I'm glad we talked it through. Yeah. What are we talking about today? We are talking about reclaiming abandoned, unloved, unpopular golf courses. Yes. I love this. Do you have you ever golfed? Yes, I have. Oh. How about you? Um, does mini golf count? No. Then no. Okay. <laughs> I've always wanted to do I think top golf is becoming really popular where you just stand on that platform and then like in Happy Gilmore, send the balls to space. Yep. That's what I want to do. We should do that. Yeah, I have no interest in in a golf course. No, and it's I've played a few times. A lot of business gets done on the golf yes. course. It's it's an entire day. People love it, so I'm not talking badly about yeah. it. But it's an entire day. You have to dedicate your whole workday to it. And I'm competitive, and I I like to consider myself an athlete. I'm awful at golf, golf and tennis. I can't do them. And then I just, I get mad and frustrated. And so I, it's not a pleasurable experience for me, but people love it. People yeah. love it. Who knows? All right. Maybe I'll try it, but I mean, there's plenty of golf courses that people have either tried and disliked, never tried, but end of the story is these golf courses are unpopular, unpopulated. Mm. And they're getting reclaimed. So I yeah. love this article that you sent. 
um, the number of closures since 2006 have been outweighing openings. Really? Which I thought was really interesting because- I wonder why. You'd think with, with COVID, a lot of people were trying to get outside and do stuff. I would have thought the numbers increased. Okay, continue. I thought so too. I thought with the, con and also the consistent popularity, it's not, at least in the circles that you know, my friends and I'm imagining your friends, the popularity hasn't waned. No. Um, so yeah, there's organizations that are working on, and I keep saying reclaiming, especially out in California. Yeah. Um, the state director of Trust for Public Land, they're looking to take back this land and kind of work backwards. Because if you think of a golf course, it's a manicured lawn. The grass mm. is one to two to three types. You've got that, you know, smooth, fair green. You've kind of got those rough patches. And then you've got when you've gone way out of bounds. There's not a ton of variety. There's not a ton of diversity. And that isn't how nature works. So when they're taking back these golf courses, they're bringing back that biodiversity. They're Look at you knowing natural stuff. State. I'm so proud of you. You're turning into a real huh? pro environmentalist. You like you have these facts and knowledge at your fingertips. I was very excited about that one. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. The um, <clears throat> the thing about golf courses that I find interesting from a professional and environmental perspective is they were once open space, vacant mm -hmm. land, probably forested, mm -hmm. and as a as a development the company that's that's moving forward with the development will go in and clear cut an entire uh, forest to build a golf course on. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about in other episodes, that's not awesome. Um, the thing about this article that made me laugh out loud is a reference to uh, someone saying that reclaiming golf courses is a good way to combat climate change. I, that is so backwards <laughs> to me. You're, it felt like a tall order. <laughs> well, and it's, it's like, but you're, you're looking at this the wrong way. Yeah. We have to slow development down. We don't need to be, I mean, it's great that golf courses are, are being reclaimed, but looking at this as a way to, there wouldn't be such climate change if you stop clear cutting forests for development yeah, or for anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a I think it's a it's a huge ask if it, we wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for this super homogenous patch of green. Yep. That just I mean, don't get me wrong. There are beautiful golf courses everywhere. Again, we're not here to to talk shit about them, but they're unnatural. They're unnatural looking. So yeah. I like the idea of taking these unused ones and then returning them back. And one thing that I'm noticing, and we'll link the article that we're looking at in the show notes, is a lot of these projects want to turn these back into public use spaces. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, in my mind, I'm envisioning the possibility, and it didn't go into a ton of detail, but the possibility of having trails going through it, nature walks, you know, if I'm being super hopeful and altruistic, maybe a nature center, that'd be nice. Something like that, where it's inviting people to come in and see the space again. So overall, it's a good use to a space that's otherwise not being used. One of the examples that this group talks about, and, and let me just 
cite the um, the group that's that's putting forward these environmental <clears throat> articles is a um, call to Earth, which is a mm. CNN editorial series, together with Rolex's Perpetual Planet Initiative. And the goal of these two groups working together is to try to drive awareness and education around sustainability. So the example that gives many good examples about which golf courses are being converted, but mm -hmm. one of them that I thought was interesting is located in Ocean Meadows, California. I guess it's part of Santa Barbara, which is a lovely area. And there is a former golf course. It's a smaller golf course, only nine holes. It was built in the 1960s and it was built on a coastal wetland. I know. <clears throat> it, oh, um, this is an audio medium for folks who know, aren't watching on YouTube. I just looked extremely shocked. Yeah. So 1960s, freshwater wetlands and, and coastal wetlands were not necessarily regulated. I think in Rhode Island, the Freshwater Wetlands Act and the Coastal Wetlands Act didn't go into effect until 1976, 1978. Uh, I know a lot of the federal statutes like the Clean Water Act and the Clean Air Act didn't pass um, in the legislature until the 70s. So in the 60s, there, there were a lot of examples of wetlands being clear cut, development going into wetlands, as well as people dumping solvents into our rivers. I could go on and on. In any event, this particular golf course built in the 1960s in a wetland is being reclaimed. It's about 64 acres. And in 2013, the golf course was on the way down. So that's when this project started. Since 2013, when the wetlands have, have started to come back um, through planting of native vegetation, as well as just nature reclaiming um, <clears throat> migratory birds and um, threatened Western snowy plovers are successfully breeding in the area. And again, because I'm not necessarily a positive person, I would just like to point out that the group that is working on this and the group that put together the article references this Ocean Meadows golf course returning to its wetland state, which doubles as a flood defense for the city. But that no, no, no. I mean, that it's the same concept that that I just referenced that golf uh, reclaiming golfing golf courses can fight climate change. Well, no, the wetland is a flood protection and shouldn't have been converted into a golf course to begin with. I find it odd that and maybe it's a marketing idea or, or maybe our society is trying to get people to want more sustainability and, and projects well, like this. I feel like it's, but it doesn't make sense to not to be, not to be suit. I mean, not to be glib or, or to take the Marissa seat in this, but have you ever seen at the grocery store when they slap gluten-free on things that are very clearly gluten-free, like they'll put gluten-free on ice creams. Like, you know, it's gluten free. Huh? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, there are sometimes if you go to and listeners, sometimes go to the grocery store and find some sort of treat like it's it's typically some sort of snack or something. Yeah, some sort of treat 
and it'll say gluten-free on it when it is designed to be gluten-free just by nature. So it's a marketing thing. Exactly. That's yeah. This that's, is what it is. Yeah. You've called the you've called this wetland doing what it's naturally supposed to do, how it's just always been gluten free. <laughs> it it yeah, it's the same concept. And I I don't know I don't know what the the point behind it is. I guess in, in the gluten free context, it's to capture part of a market that yeah. had previously not considered ice cream or Hershey bars. It just really to make it seem better just makes me nuts. Adding it makes a positive. Me nuts. Uh, well, Don't people know that natural wetlands and coastal wetlands and and sand dunes and the beach as it naturally exists is a okay. No, never mind. No, sometimes they don't. But what are people doing with their time? <laughs> <laughs> But I do want to shift to another kind of oh. tangent topic. Okay. So this idea of reintroducing biodiversity and going back to how a golf course by nature has almost no diversity, especially in the lawns. It's all white people. <laughs> white people, green lawns, and typically <laughs> one type of lawn. Have you seen this movement to make people's home lawns more diverse yes yes or remove the grass yes. altogether yes wildflowers and yes. yes i've seen that in different mosses and yep. things like that mm -hmm. do you have any and, and we haven't researched this or at least i haven't researched this a ton yet but do you have any thoughts on this any initial reactions? I, I love it i think it's great i grew up in foster and that's what i grew up with and i didn't know any different um i have a lawn now and we've started replanting and and looking at different ways to um convert what we've got and and Ooh. kind of what that would look like the problem is um getting someone over here to help me actually do the work <laughs> yeah yeah that's a big task it's, yeah it's uh, everyone's busy right now but yeah, yeah i i i love that idea how about you um I recently, I actually had a coworker who started teaching me about this. Um, she doesn't have a huge backyard, but she had a substantial front yard, which she turned into a garden. Mm -hmm. And then the spaces in between the garden, she planted creeping thyme, which I guess flowers purple and blue. Oh. So it was just like this really beautiful rolling hill. And then she had a garden happening and it was just this I mean, it, it looked stunning to me. Yeah. And it, to yeah, me, it was they're much really more beautiful. interesting than grass. Yep. And um, I don't know if this is related or not, but leaving leaves. Yes. Instead of raking them or, or gathering them up and putting them in a bag and bringing them to the landfill. What a waste. They're, they're going to break down naturally. They provide habitat for certain species that mm -hmm. overwinter, including... Uh, queen honeybees. I didn't know this. They oh. will make a home under leaves and get through the winter. The leaves act as a little bit of a thermal barrier. They provide oh, habitat. Fireflies. Yeah, I think yeah. moths. Um, oh. So we're doing that now. Not, I mean, I don't rake leaves anyway, but I, I see people just going bananas, raking leaves and putting them in bags. And it's like, mm -mm. you can maybe just mow them if you're yep, concerned about the do. grass dying and leave them. Actually, I was going to say last year we mowed them. So they were mulched up a little bit. Yep. 
our grass came back greener. Yeah, and they're they're it's food. natural fertilizer. Yeah, our neighbors don't love it, but it's fine. Well, I don't love your neighbors. <laughs> so on that, we're we're looking at golf carts differently. We're thinking about our lawns differently. Golf carts? Oh, golf courses. Well, it's funny that you say that because I'm I would love to have a golf cart at my house. <sighs> if anyone has one for sale, yeah, <laughs> let us there know. We go. All right. You can catch us on the socials on Facebook, Instagram, uh, always going to call it Twitter, at Desatel Browning. You can reach out to us via email at Marissa at DesatelBrowning.com. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Environmentally Speaking. If you're in need of an environmental attorney, we are here to help. Call us at 401-477-0023 or visit our website at www.desatellaw.com. That's www.desatellaw.com.